Now it's time for novel writing, which today comes from the mouths of Detroit. Hello and welcome to Dorchester, where a very good crowd has turned out to watch local boy Thomas Hardy write his new novel, The Return of the Native, on this very pleasant July morning. This will be his 11th novel and the 5th of the very popular Wessex novels. And here he comes! Here comes Hardy, walking out toward his desk. He looks confident, he looks relaxed, very much the man in form, as he acknowledges this very good-natured bank holiday crowd. And the crowd goes quiet now as Hardy settles himself down at the desk, body straight, shoulders relaxed, pen held lightly but firmly in the right hand. He dips the pen in the ink and he's off! It's the first word, but it's not a word! Oh no, it's a doodle way up on the top of the left-hand margin. It's a piece of meaningless scribble and he signed his name underneath it. Oh dear, what a disappointing start. You asked it around, you're too much of my face. It's gone. What are you doing? What are you doing? Come on. That is not paid for by them. That is paid for by the people of Detroit. You are qualified, young man. I'm not qualified for this job. Let me tell you something. You want to go right now? Okay. You want to go right now? Hey, kids. It's your old pal and aspiring author, M.L. Elric. Aspiring, discouraged, failed author. Here with the soul of Detroit. Mark Fellhauer is here. Sean Windsor's here, but our special guest is a successful author, a best-selling author, one of Detroit's own, Lowell Caulfield. You saw him on this show uh, several months ago talking about Masquerade, which was his outstanding true crime novel about a Wayne State University professor who becomes obsessed with a prostitute. And you could say he goes to pieces over her, except that's not exactly accurate because he was chainsawed to pieces because of her but uh but that's not why we're here today even though boy i kind of wish we were now that i think about it we're here because lowell has a great new book below the line it is it is fiction and it is fantastic i read it uh when i was up north it's a perfect summer novel which I think Lowell will also tell you is great in the fall, the winter, and the spring as well. <laughs> so uh, Lowell's going to join us in just a minute to talk about that, zooming in from L.A., which he skewers repeatedly <laughs> in this novel. And we're going to get you caught up on Danasia Neal, the Detroit oh. attorney who got caught uh, in, a, in an SUV with fentanyl and guns. There's been a big development in her case. We're going to tell you about that before we go today. What a good tease. I don't even know what it is. Oh, yeah. No, no. You got you to gotta hang on. Don't go anywhere, Mark. We need he you. He is a good tease. We need you. So. <laughs> and uh, been teasing me for a long, long time. <laughs> look at him. Let's just look at Sean. Suddenly, this studio got very small. With a hoodie. Uh, I know. I'm fighting the patriarchy in here because the patriarchy keeps the temperature at 60 degrees. What are you talking about? And I am, uh, of course, you know, pathetic and get cold easily now. So. It's because Mark's going through menopause. He's, he's getting Sean hot flashes. <laughs> no, no, you're sweating all the time. Oh. Yeah. I am always on fire. Okay. Well, this is all Sorry. brought to you. <laughs> By David Hall and the good people at Hall Financial, Luke Nowacki and the financial wizards at Pinnacle Wealth Strategies, the bricklayers who have some great opportunities for you to get your career on track, to get your career started, to make good money while you're training, to get benefits, to get pensions, annuities, all kinds of fantastic benefits. We're going to tell you how to avail yourself of that. And of course, the Cadu Cafe where I was last Friday, as promised, in kilt for the Smiths Unite who put on a fantastic show in perfect weather, hanging out the garage bar, ran into Woody Woodruff there, who, as <laughs> oh, you know, is a huge New Wave fan. Yep. It was a great night, and it's always 
a good time at the Cadu, so we'll we'll be talking a little bit. Woody, who wanted to do his own Smiths cover band called the Blacksmiths. The Blacksmiths, yes, that would be a uh, black cover band of the Smiths. I, I I think there's a lot of potential there. I think Hell yeah, maybe, there is. Maybe we can get Vernon Reed. I think he's going to be in town with <laughs> uh, with uh, Living Color sometime later this summer. So. We'll have to check that out. Vernon Reed reference. It's a good reference. We got our own, we got our own Dennis Miller over there. Solid reference. Boning in the boneyard. Yeah, it's like, well, it's Aristocles would have said. You know, that? When the Roman you don't, you don't Senate have, met, it was, yeah, I hate Dennis Miller. Really? But, you didn't like his flip politically, did you? Uh, you know, politically, I don't care. Um, but I think he's... Uh, Just his flip, then. Well, no, I I think he's gratuitously obscure, which I get it, that's his that's his that's shtick. His thing, yeah. But I also, and I... I'm kind of torn between begrudging him thinking he could pull off the Monday night football thing. That to me felt like, uh, wow, what a great offer. That's really exciting. But if you don't let your vanity and your ego get in the way, you say, this isn't my spot. So I'm not, I'm going to pass that. I am one of the, I know there's nobody probably other than me that I actually liked him on there because it was somebody different. There was something else because the game sucked. At least there was somebody who could entertain the audience. That's what I liked about it. Yeah, no, my, I'm, I must be the only one. I guess I, I preferred it when the people who were there to make the game interesting made the game interesting. The Howard Cosells, the Dandy. Oh, Don he'll Maris, never be Howard, but yeah, you know, yeah, all those guys. And I like I, Dan Deardorff too. I, I think he's he's not quite as flamboyant as those guys, but I really like Dan. I'm sorry that he's not doing the Michigan football games anymore. I also like, especially now looking back, a media company that would take a chance on something that big, right? Yeah. Nobody takes chances anymore. Everybody plays it safe. You guys took a chance on me. Oh it hasn't God. really worked out, but <laughs> not at all. That not. reminds me, we're going to have ABBA in room 7609 this week. Take a chance on me, covered by uh, the we, violent femmes. We must get a tax write off for Sean being here. So. So, it's, uh, it's, I, it's, I hope you get something. This is community service. <laughs> this, is, this is part of a diversion program. Um, and Lowell's like, okay, quit diverting Sorry. from me. Uh, Lowell <laughs> is ready to go. Lowell, um, if you're watching us on YouTube or on Facebook, you will see Lowell shamelessly promoting not only the uh, cover of his book, but some merch that he bought, which has a tie into the book. And I hope you lock your doors at night because it looks like a pretty sweet guitar collection back there, Lowell. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's, one, it's two of 14, actually. Can you play yeah. all of those? Yes, I do. They, uh, I, I have to avoid going into certain guitar shops because <laughs> if one gets into my hands that feels right, it tends to leave with me. It's, it's become a problem. Damn. Actually. So Lowell Caulfield, best-selling author, shoplifter, uh, is with us today <laughs> to talk about Below the Line, which is his new novel um he's got a blurb on here from from elmore leonard which is impressive because i think the book was published after dutch left us caulfield knows how to make it sound real now what's the what's the story behind this uh, grumble from the grave from uh from the great elmore leonard well uh my uh, previous novel called marker uh which dutch had read and then he had blurbed it with that blurb and um we were putting together blurbs for the new book and I told the editor, I says, you know, I've got this one from Elmore Leonard from, from a, several years ago. God, it was 20 years ago. Uh, and it's really not about the book. It's about, uh, it's about me. Uh, and they said, Oh, we love that. So they put it right on the top. And I got some criticism saying that I was shamelessly using somebody from the grave that obviously Elmore hadn't read the book, but if you look at the blurb, it's, it's it's about my style. It's not about a particular book. So, well, I, I, I used it. 
<laughs> I thought this when I was reading it, and like I said, I read it in about a day or two. It just it's 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 not it's not thin. It's it's three hundred pages, but it, it just it just the story moves. I couldn't help thinking, and I I I hope this is not in any way insulting. It wouldn't be to me anyway, but it's very Leonard-esque. I mean, it really has that feel. I mean, and not just from some of the obvious things, like the protagonist is a Detroit cop who becomes kind of your classic fish out of water. He's identified by some people who create an opportunity for him, which he thinks, oh, this is going to be great. And, of course, once he gets into it, he's like, okay, this wasn't what I thought, and now I'm stuck, and now how do I survive, and there's no turning back now. But it, it really had... That breezy feel, the great dialogue, you know, the 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 twists and turns. I mean, I I, you know, I got the book for free, but I would pay for it. Let me just tell you that. <laughs> well, son of well, I, I mean, I would consider that a compliment to be compared to him, and he was a huge influence on me. I used to meet him for lunch, and he would give me his. Uh, uh, you know, advice about writing. And I, I took a lot of it to heart. Uh, I think what the similarity is, is that um, there, there's that element of, of humor, even though it's a crime novel, and even though there's some really heavy duty shit in it, it still has that, uh, the, the, the criminals and some of the people are legends in their own mind. And uh, that's what makes it humorous. Uh, if you look at, uh, you know, his books, they, they all have that, that kind of tone. And so I have that similar kind of tone. Uh, you know, I want to make it entertaining as well as uh, compelling. So that's what I try to do. And I think that's why I get compared to him sometimes. Well, I think it's an apt comparison. I think the one, the one difference I would, I would point out is while you do have some of these characters who really swagger, there isn't this really way out there, uh, uh, just completely uh, bizarre character. You know, I always think Elmore Leonard always has somebody in there who's either kind of like a Superman who is the greatest thief there ever was or the most flamboyant drug dealer who's completely crazy. Every character in this book does not feel made up to me. That does not feel like, wow, I wish there were really people like that in real life because I feel like I've seen every one of these people with the exception of the former porn star i haven't hung out that much with former <laughs> porn stars although Yet. i what do you mean am by willing that much? to learn for research <laughs> what do you mean by that much Just well i research. did knock on a lot of doors asking women if they danced for kwame kilpatrick and did meet a couple pros in the process but uh, porn stars yeah well, sex they, workers yeah they're, they're more I, exotic I, dancers uh, i think we called them i all those characters in the book i've actually experienced all those characters including the former porn star and uh uh you know i obviously changed things i didn't uh, to protect the uh, guilty but uh, i mean that's that that's a real uh uh cast of typical la type uh people when when we were first putting the book out uh to, you know to sell it to a publisher some of the editors and even one of the agents said well this uh, these hollywood people don't make any sense they've got these concocted ideas and they're you know they're doing things that are irrational and uh so it's not believable and i said that's the whole point of the book <laughs> is how irrational they are and finally you know we found an editor that really got it and she loved it and uh she happened to be a fan of Dutch as well, too. So uh, it's a certain style. And uh, I, for me, it was a, 
the the lead character Edwin Blake, who is a former uh, Detroit homicide cop who retires and comes to L.A. to become a consultant on film and television, which happens a lot. A lot mm -hmm. of the the consultants in the in these uh, you know in TV series and books are are former cops and uh, you know former experts. And you get paid you know five thousand dollars a week. It's a good gig, and he comes out and he has a couple of good years. Uh, and then things go to shit. You know, he turns 50 and now suddenly he's way older than anybody that's working. And so he's not getting getting the, the gigs. But what I was trying to do in the book is kind of take my Detroit mentality because I spent all that time there and and take it into L.A. and look at L.A. from the standpoint of somebody from the Midwest or someone from Detroit. I mean, in Detroit, look, I mean, we we go a mile a minute on the freeways. Uh, people are very direct. Uh, they, uh, you know, if they don't like you, they tell you to fuck off here. They tell you they love you and stab you in the chest, you know, on the next day. So, um, so I try to take that kind of Detroit point of view and bring it into the business, which I'm very familiar with because I spent 20 years here writing film and, uh, television and dealing with all these kind of people. And, uh, so that's what makes it fun, you know, and that allows me to, uh, take a lot of shots in LA too and the business. The, the movie and TV business to that point, you know, we, we see Hollywood as being so phony and fake, which I imagine that it is. So was it exactly what you thought it was? Did you have preconceived notions? I mean, you've been there now for, like you said, for two decades. Um, are you still a fish out of water Detroiter out there or is it, how fake is the city? Well, you know, it's show business. Okay. It's show business. It's not show friendship. It's show business. So everything's a show. And, uh, you know, they craft illusions. I mean, nobody likes to go to premieres. You know, it's a pain in the ass to go to a premiere with the parking and all that stuff, but it's part of the show. <laughs> Yet America sees it as, oh, they're these glamorous people and they've got these beautiful clothes. Nobody buys those clothes. I mean, the designers all provide the clothes. You know, they provide the makeup people. You know, everything, like I said, everything's kind of an, an, an illusion. Um, I've worked with a lot of different people. A couple of people that I've worked with, though, have been absolutely amazing. One of them was Michael Douglas. Uh, Michael Douglas and I took a show out. We took it to like 15 different networks. It was about the founding of the Indianapolis 500 and the guy that founded it. It was a very compelling show. He showed up at every pitch. He was a great guy. I remember my girlfriend at the time. I was at a party, and he puts his arm around her and says, you know, you realize what a great guy you're with? And Just a super, super guy. I can contrast that with others who I will not name that were big stars that were supposed to be part of uh, – you know, uh, pitching to a network and uh, never showed up, never showed up for the pitch. I was always there with the, uh, with, with the producer. Um, so, and, and there's a lot, you know, JP in the book is, is, is kind of a classic uh, upper level producer who's, you know, gone around the bend and has kind of gone psycho. Um, so, but yeah, they, that it's, uh, I, you know, I've met some really great people out here though. Um, but it's not art. Okay. It's business. And it, it, you got to just remember that, 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 that you're not making art. You're, 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 you're in a, you're in an entertainment business. You're in show business. It's not show friendship. I think a lot of people forget too, that there's a lot of blue collar. I mean, LA County is, is huge. I think there's more people in, in LA County than there is even in, um, the state of Michigan, but there's a lot of people that work on a movie and a lot of them are blue collar and, you know, I don't know. 
I just well, that's the that's where the title comes from. Uh, see, there's above the line and below the line. Above the line are people that are higher in as corporations, like uh, like writers, uh, directors, editors, uh, the stars, the actors. They're above the line. The below the line are the the electricians, the uh, you know the PAs, the uh, the gaffers, the, the the teamsters. Those are below the line. So the title of the book has actually a, a double meaning. Uh, this the hotshot producer uh, JP tells Edwin Blake, my protagonist. He says, you know, you know, you come out and do this for me. I'm going to get you on this show, and no more below the line for <laughs> Edwin Blake. You're going to be above the line. You're going to be up there with the writers. And he says, well, technically, a consultant is actually above the line jp and he says you know what i'm trying to say <laughs> but the the double meaning of the title below the line is the really the underbelly of the business and the underbelly of uh, uh of the criminal element that's around whose idea was it to drop the e below the n in the line on the book that's on the cover yeah uh, on the cover I, sorry that's I, very clever you know, i pretty much can't I pretty much came up with the, the concept for the cover. I said, let's use the Hollywood sign, something with the Hollywood sign. And so they took that typeface and then uh, the, the designer dropped it there and put the two bullet holes in it. Just to set the scene for this book a little bit, uh, Edwin Blake, cop, goes out to L.A., catches on with the show. Then he's in between gigs. And this big-time producer calls him out to this ridiculous mansion and proposes that he help him find a, a woman, the ex-wife of a friend of his, or the friend of a friend of his. This guy right. is rich, but he's not going to pay the cop. The promise is, if you do this, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to put you back as an A-lister. Even though it seems like the producer isn't really an A-lister so much himself anymore. And then the cop is like, "Well, I don't know, but I really, I need to get this thing going, or I need to get out of here." Then, like in a lot of, of Dutch's novels, actually, he meets a woman. And one of the things I really like about this book and what I like about Elmore Leonard's books, too, is he meets a woman who's kind of like him. You know, she's around 50. She's still attractive, but she's not a star. She's not some ingenue. A real she's, person. She's not the hooker with a heart of gold. Yeah, she's a real person like him. And they kind of ground each other because they're in this bizarro world. But there's one other person they can rely on who actually is reasonable and so they become this this sort of team and then as as edwin is investigating he also we find out somebody else is looking into this too who's a very nefarious character they seem to have the same objective and their paths cross but you don't realize that until you're somewhat deep in the novel and then you start to realize they're not really they don't really have the same objective they're adversaries but only one of them realizes they're adversaries and then things really start to get complicated. And, and when you say below the line, I also think there's another meaning here, which is what motivates everybody, and I don't want to ruin it for people, but what motivates them is below the belt line. Like a lot of people in Hollywood, it's their nose and their dick that gets them going. The <laughs> nose candy or the blue pill makes a lot of stuff happen that shouldn't happen. And it's it's tremendous, and and I got to read my favorite passage in the whole book, and there were a lot that I liked, but this is something I think about all the time, and I think about this as being, you know, I guess a very very minor uh, figure in Detroit too, where people from TV show up place and they think, oh, I'm going to get a good table, they're going to let me in for free. It's like 
you probably make more than anybody here. Why do you expect to get something for free? And here's a great scene where, um, where uh, 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 here it is. Poole thought about the Bentley he saw in Mr. Perry's driveway. The guy sitting fat and happy in his big glassy house, a housekeeper and assistant anticipating his every request. He remembered the time Tony the Ant asked him to take care of a big TV star when the actor came to Vegas back in the day. He drove the asshole around for three days. The actor paid for nothing. Shows, restaurants, all on the house, including the two whores the actor wanted sent to his room in the stardust. That's the way it worked. The rich and the famous, the people who could afford everything, got everything for free. For the people who couldn't afford squat, it was full price. It all seemed half-ass backwards. That is one passage in the middle of the book where I said, Lowell Caulfield knows what the hell he's talking about, and why is the system <laughs> so screwed up The people who could buy and sell us 100 times over keep waiting for us to open that velvet rope for them so they can get in for free while we're all standing there sweating our balls off to pay $100. I just don't get it. It drives me crazy, and I love... I love how you brought that home because that just is, it seems to me like one of these fundamental truths that makes me crazy. And it's so true out here because you've got star power, right? And they, they get everything. Uh, they get swag, you know, uh, they go to an event, they get trips. I mean, some of the swag that, 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 that actors and others get out here is is amazing. I mean, trips to Europe, it's it's crazy. You know, they get a little bag. It's got all different things in. It, like if you're at an awards uh, thing, yeah, and uh, and they've got the best tables. They've got everything, and they don't pay for much at all. Like I said, the clothes at a premiere. Anybody that you see, any woman particularly, those dresses that they're wearing, all that. Uh, they haven't paid for those. The jewels that are on them, that it's all provided as part of the promotion that's done by the designers. Um, so, yeah. you know, yeah, that's the, that's the way of the world. It's cr- now when, when you're putting a book together like this, I I've always thought, and I, I, you know, I, I've always wanted to write fiction. I can never think of anything that's interesting enough. So I write the really crazy shit that people truly do, but how do you work that out where you have kind of, you know, your beginning, middle, and your end, but then you bring the other stuff in. You know, it's like, oh, there's this guy, then there's this subplot, and then this happens, and I know I need this to happen now, and nobody's going to really pick it up, but later on, they're going to figure out, oh, that's why that happened, and all the pieces come to. I mean, how, do you diagram this? Does it just, do you go back and say, okay, now I need to add this person at the beginning, or do you put them in the beginning and know they're going to mean something at the end? It just, the process has always fascinated and frustrated me. There's three th- three elements that I that I always start with. I have. I'm to writing have. this down, by the way. <laughs> and, and and the first one is who's my protagonist? Who's my character? And I will spend once I decide what he is. Like Edwin Blake, you know, I decide okay, uh, former Detroit homicide cop because I knew so many Detroit homicide cops. I knew how they talked. I knew how they acted. I knew what the clothes they wore, the kind of guns they carried. And then I think, well, what's his name? And I'm telling you, the name can take weeks. Trying different names, writing out first name, second name, you know, and, and, and it's not until I get the name that I know the character. And I mean, that's the perfect cop name, Edwin Blake, 
And his friends call him Eddie. Eddie, what the fuck are you doing? You know, but Edwin Blake, you know, more formal. Um, then the next thing I need is the uh, inciting incident. What is the thing that throws this character's life out of balance? In this book, uh, and 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 the and the the, the inciting incident incident can throw the, the, the character's life to the positive out of balance or to the negative. With Edwin Blake, it goes to the positive. He gets this offer, hey, you can be on this television show if you go find this w woman and a kid for a friend of a friend. So it looks positive. So his life is thrown out of ba balance to the positive. And then you follow that thread, you know, through the whole second act. And then the, 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 the final thing is the inciting incident decides what the climax is going to be you know how is he going to put everything back together in terms of the uh all what i populate the book with i just start thinking of people i've met and characters i mean you talked about the woman his uh, his girlfriend carla carla was originally actually a former madam of a whorehouse uh out in thousand oaks but because I also had a retired porn star, uh, one of the editors suggested, you know, you got two sex workers in here. I think people are going to mix them up. So I came up with a, a different background for her, which is just as good, even better. And in fact, she's a former roller derby queen, right? So, uh, and, and she's in recovery. I always like to put one person in recovery in my books. And uh, she's in recovery from painkillers. Which makes sense. If you're in a roller derby and you're getting injured all the yeah. time, it'd be easily, you know, to get addicted to, uh, to opium. But anyway, I put these characters in this thing and I let them kind of determine what's going to happen. Uh, once I got this side instance and I put things in motion, they and I have my cast of characters, they kind of determine what's going to go down. I don't think that out. I don't diagram that out. Wow, I, I, I've always thought it's kind of like a Garage Band, where you know, okay, well, I'm I'm going to lay down a guitar track, and at some point the drums are going to come in, and I gotta, I gotta yeah, make maybe room you're forcing, for a little, Maybe you're forcing little, it then. I think I am, and and so Elmore Leonard, there's oh, a documentary that just came out about him. It was in the Free Film Festival, and I was uh, the moderator for a discussion there with Peter Leonard, who's Dutch's son, who's also a novelist, who will be joining us next month on the Soul of Detroit. So watch for Peter Leonard. So we can talk about you some more. Elric's book club. He, he's also been. He's also a consultant on the reboot of Justified. So we're going to be talking about Justified as well. Low, low. Can you just but, make? But, oh, wait a minute. Uh, hold on a second, Sean. You can't be asleep and then wake up like that. I got to finish the sentence. <laughs> the name of the documentary is "Don't Try to Write." Because that was Leonard's advice to people: is don't try to write, just write. Which is that's right. Is crazy. Okay, sorry, Sean. I was just going to ask Lowell. To no, no, I was just going to ask Lowell if he if he could make you his next protagonist for a book. He'd love it. That would be, that would be great. Well, he's already had the former porn star, so I think he's going to yeah. have to start over. Muckraker, right? Lowell, Saving are, the city. Lowell, are, do you still do anything with true crime, or did House of Secrets ruin it for you? Which, I mean, that is a fantastically horrifying book. Um, Eye of the Beholder is good, too. I mean, true crime before it blew up into what true crime is now. Do you do you still do any true crime consulting or TV producing? Well, uh, I, I'm not going to be writing any more true crime books. So, I mean, House of Secrets finished me off. I ended up, uh, you know, for a couple of years on, on antidepressants. Uh, oh. 
by the way, I take that experience and bring it into Edwin Blake. Edwin Blake is suffering from clinical depression. And as he begins his journey and below the line, he starts taking an antidepressant, which has got side effects. But anyway, um, uh, I actually were, I, I, I've, I've hooked up with another producer and we are shopping some of my stories as a part of a true crime series for uh you know a long form documentaries hmm. so in other words like three or four episodes to so take like the canny story and make it three episodes in non-fiction you know documentary style so that's my that's where i'm dabbling still in true crime because i've got all that what they call ip intellectual property um and uh that might be worth something particularly with a strike going on because uh yeah. the nonfiction stuff is not covered under under the uh wga agreement can you um, can you watch true crime or did house of secrets ruin is it just oh too, yeah okay. yeah yeah no no i mean i i love the, the dahmer series oh, so uh, no i still i still I still watch it and, and still, I, I like a good documentary, a good, uh, okay. uh, like the jinx, you know, that was a yeah. great one. Oh my uh, God. Yeah. What, what happened know, with I, below I the line? I, I know we talked about that last time you're with us, Lowell, but give, give people a, a quick recap of what it was about and uh, why it hit you so hard. You mean house of secrets? Oh, sorry. House of secrets. Which yeah. Below the line is the book. house of secrets was about a guy story. named immediately Sexton and his wife uh, down in Canton, Ohio, who had like 13, 14 kids. And he was having incestuous relationships with his daughters and creating babies with a super race that he was trying to build called the Futuretrons. And, uh, but these kids were all horribly, horribly abused, uh, on, on a daily basis. And, uh, it, although it appeared to be the perfect family to the neighbors, they thought, Oh, the kids are so well behaved and et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And he goes on the run. And uh, then starts ordering his kids to, uh, you know, to kill like his uh, one of the babies and uh, uh, kill That's one awesome. of the yeah. the okay. beard husbands. It just it's it's just it's yeah. totally fucked up. N not not something you walk away from. I mean, can I say this though? It was it was really well written. I mean, it it's a horrific story, but you did a Thank good you. job getting it across. I don't know. Is that a is that a silver lining? <laughs> I felt like I was writing myself out of hell. Like I was climbing a ladder out of hell when I was writing that because it, I, I had gone into this, in this state of depression and it was the antidepressants that actually allowed me to write the book. Cause I, 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 I thought humanity just wasn't worth even being around anymore because I spent two years doing the research. The research yeah. That's what it, that's what nails you on true crime is that you're on uh, one day you're with the perpetrator, you know, and you're his buddy and you're interviewing him in prison. It's like, you know, I did this with lucky fry and, 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 uh, uh, uh what's his name? Uh, uh, Brad from, uh, eye of the, the beholder and all yeah. that. And, you're you're in prison with these guys, and then the next day you're with the family, and they're crying, and you're you're hugging them, and you're going like, "Who's oh, the psychopath?" Yeah. You know, I'm the psychopath. <laughs> you know, I got all these different personalities, depending on who I'm researching and who I'm dealing with, and that's what eventually got to me. It was like, uh, like I just needed to find myself again. Well, Lowell, before we let you go, tell us the story of the T-shirt you're wearing, which I think says Los Angeles County Coroner. <laughs> Yeah, one of the scenes in the book, and you know, I, I went over to uh, uh, all my novels. A novel is a giant lie, okay? A novel is the greatest lie you, anyone will ever tell. But in order, every psychopath knows that to tell a great lie, 
you have to have all the details truthful. That's how that that's how it works. So I knew I was going to have a scene at the coroner's office, the LA coroner's office, and I also needed a copy of a uh, uh, autopsy report from Los Angeles because I knew that it would be different than the Detroit autopsy reports, which I was familiar with, because I was going to use that in the book. So I went to talk to the PR guy at the Los Angeles County Coroner. And while I was waiting in the waiting area, there were these families around that were like crying. And I mean, it was a horrible scene. Uh, they were there to pick up the personal effects of people who had died. And I see this door over on the left and it says uh, skeletons in the closet. And I asked the receptionist, what's that? And she said, Oh, that's the gift shop. I says, a gift shop? She goes, yeah, Ugh. go check it out. I go through the door, and here's this gift shop. And they're selling everything from crime scene tape to, to coroner gags. You can you can buy a, a outline of a human body that you can you know, put on your floor and all this. And there's all these pictures of, of, of movie stars who have been there, you know, and they're, you know, with their autographs on there. And only 20 feet away are all these people that are having the most horrifying days of their life. And I thought, God, the contrast, the high, the high contrast. Elmore was always really good at high contrast, too. And I thought, this is great high contrast. Over here, we got all these laughs behind this door. And over here, we have all this tragedy. And so I bought the T-shirt here. And uh, I actually... Uh, uh, I actually uh, had my character go into the gift shop too, and he buys some goodies and comes out with the, you know, a coroner hat and a, and a t-shirt. Edwin Blake does, and he also which creates a whole different illusion for the guy that's following who thinks that he's taking a job at the coroner's office. Right, exactly. It's it it puts another nice twist in the plot. Well, we our guest today is. Lowell Caulfield, author of Below the Line, a Hollywood crime novel. Uh, you may remember Greg Sutter, who was on this show uh, last year. He was the leg man for Elmore Leonard. Mm -hmm. He says, Caulfield takes what he learned after many years writing about the unforgiving streets of Detroit and then as a writer in the Hollywood machine to create a darkly humorous story, Below the Line and Beyond the Pale. And there's also some blurbs here from Mike Binder, comedian, filmmaker from Detroit, Lauren Estelman, who writes some great historical crime uh, novels from Detroit. Lots of great people, but uh, terrific book, Lowell. Congratulations, and I hope, I hope it sells a lot of copies because it's a fun read and people are really going to enjoy it. Guys, I really appreciate you having me on, and uh, it's good to reconnect with uh, my hometown. Yeah, I miss it. And you said you're coming back for a Lions game this year, right? Now that they're good. Yep, absolutely. I I came. I I uh, it's. I I think Campbell has finally changed the losing culture there. I hope. I mean, I got a lot of anticipation, like everybody else. I have PTSD. From <laughs> we, all we all so do. We all. So does O'Hara. Mike O'Hara's got PTSD. Okay, <laughs> and Mike O'Hara comes has some great jokes about the Lions. Never take your children to a Lions game. You'll be arrested for child abuse. Yeah, but you know it's uh, they, they. I think they turned the corner now, and I and I love the Lions, and I just pray to God they'll make my bucket list and, and get to a major playoff. Yeah. How would you like to have O'Hara's career? First, you're in Vietnam. Then you cover the Lions. I mean, how, how many bombs <laughs> do you want to be around? I mean, holy crap. 
the man is a the man's a miracle. He's able to function in a in a somewhat productive manner. But uh, we we need a twelve step group for Detroit Lions fans. You know, we need twelve steps, man, to recover. I think there's one step just right off the edge of the roof. But uh, but I wish them all the best. And Lowell, if you're in town, let us know. We might uh, we go hang out at uh, at the new police headquarters. <laughs> they have a, I think they have a gift shop too. Maybe <laughs> you can do some souvenir shopping while you're in town. So that's Lowell Caulfield zooming in from LA. Below the line is the book. Check it out. You can probably get it at booksellers nearby. I'm sure it's on Amazon, but you know, we always prefer you do a little business with the brick and mortar folks. Carol watching on Facebook says excellent. I think uh I think she's nailed it in one word. Um, but if you're looking for excellence, here comes smooth segue, slick professional broadcast guy the bricklayers and allied craft workers of local to michigan are looking for hard-working men and women all throughout the state of michigan whether you have experience in any of the trowel trades or not there is an option for you if you have no prior experience there are free training opportunities with job placements starting at 26 16 an hour plus benefits and not the ones that some of the people in Lowell's novels are handing out. You can earn while you learn as a registered apprentice. Experienced tradesmen and women in building new or restoring old masonry, installing tile, marble at terrazzo, caulking, or finishing concrete make anywhere between 2616 and 3720 plus benefits like Blue Cross Blue Shield Health Insurance. Not one, but two pensions and an annuity. Year-round free training, workshops, and certifications with the possibility of more. I don't know what more there could be, but there's more. <laughs> Referrals and a signing bonus of 2000 for journeymen and 1000 for experienced apprentices. If you want to know about this, what the more is, any questions you got, visit bricklayers.org. That's B-R-I-C-K-L-A-Y-E-R-S.org to learn more about what Local 2 has to offer or take the next step in building your future do you have the echo ready? Today. Oh, that was that was radio professional. That was, yeah, right. that was podcasting gold. <laughs> I was a little nervous there. Damn. So, Denise Unia, last week, if you remember, we had uh, some very nicely produced uh, video by Mr. Mark Fellhauer, producer extraordinaire, showing a traffic stop of a lawyer who was later hired by the city of Detroit who was caught with guns and fentanyl in her car along with three knuckleheads at the time we reported this story, she was waiting to hear back from the Michigan Court of Appeals because she was trying to get the search thrown out. She was trying to convince a judge that the police should not have searched her car. They did not have probable cause, and therefore anything they found in the car could not be used as evidence against her, and without the evidence, the case would go away. That sounds like a huge Hail Mary throw by her. Yeah, and she's the only one who had failed to convince a judge at the lower court level that she should get a, a pass. Now, the three other guys in the car also argued, illegal search, throw the evidence out, let me walk. Hmm. Lower court judge had said, yes, no problem. Wait, yes to throwing it out? To throwing it out. There's, they didn't have probable cause on these guys. So they weren't driving the car, you know, who knows what's going on. At any rate, two of those guys failed in their bit. Well, let me, let me back this up. Prosecutors convinced the appellate court judge that two of the guys should stand trial. The, the search was valid, and so no problem. Denise Neal and this other guy were waiting to hear what the appellate court said. The appellate court said these searches were legal, they were proper, there was probable cause, 
and Danasia Neal and the other gentleman, Mr. Darius Green, should proceed to trial along with the other two guys. So now all four of the people in this car are headed to trial in Wayne County Circuit Court on drug trafficking and weapons charges. So big development since last week. I know it's a little bit of a tangled ball of yarn there if you want to get the whole story. Oh, you explained it well. Yeah. Check it out. Well, this is sort of a a shameless promotion for last week's episode, but... uh, but or your column in the free press. Oh, yeah. That, somebody wrote about it. Or you. Good stuff. So, yeah. So, somebody wrote about so it. So, check that shit out. We will have links on our website, which is mlsolvedetroit.com. Com, All right. Com, com. Now I need to tell you about Hall Financial. Absolutely. Do it. Yeah. Long time partner. Long time partner of the show. And uh, they're such a great company, such a local force. They want to give back to the show and to the listeners. Did you know this? Huh? We do it's, now. Uh, they were a good partner for me when I was buying a couple of houses in East Lansing. They have an exclusive offer right now for ML Solo Detroit listeners. Hall Financial is going to give you $350 in a Home Depot gift card after your loan closes. They're basically going to give you your gift just for being a listener of the show. That's all you have to do. Is just Well, your there. loan has to close. you got to do Well, business. come on. That's, yeah. that's, it'll close. Don't worry. <laughs> Unless you're driving around with guns and fentanyl, well, we're very confident that they can make a deal with you. They work very hard to make a deal. There's always exceptions, aren't there? $350, Home Depot gift card. Uh, So, yeah, that's the gift for being a listener of this show. Hall Financial is the only company with a five-star certified pre-approval designed to get your offer accepted, ML. Here's the important part. You have to get pre-approved for your new home right now because the the offer only lasts for about a month here. So to get started, simply visit callhallfirst.com slash ML. If you go to that website, they'll know you're listening to the show, and that's how you get qualified for the $350 offer. So it's callhallfirst.com slash ML. Uh, it's a nice little incentive. See what they can do for you, and there will be a link on our website as well on the little picture for yeah. all financial. And it, it feels to me like they're trying to gauge whether or not our listeners are responding. They, are. they also so, want to give back. So please respond. And the other thing is interest rates are getting ready to go up, so don't don't drag your feet. This is a great time to get in on one of these deals before those interest rates. Who knows what they're going to do, but lock it in. There you go. Callhallfirst.com slash ML. And uh, while you're bopping around online, pick up the phone and uh, give Luke Nowacki a call. See what you can do with all this extra money that you're going to get um, with the loan from Hall Financial. That's a terrible segue. Just call Luke. He'll talk get to your, a human being. Talk, yeah, talk to Luke. Luke is a um, fiduciary who will maybe set you on the right path to see what you are, where you want your money to be, how it's going to grow. Do you want inequities? Do you want bonds? What are these 529s, 401ks, all these numbers? Nobody knows it but Luke. Uh, so give him a call. 248-663-4748. Because when you call Luke, he will make it all about you. Now, before I play this disclaimer, Ah. I do want to say that um, I believe there's been a name change in the company for Royal Alliance Associates. So hopefully it's reflected here. Oh, goodness. In the sounder. Securities and investment advisory services offered through Osaic. Associates Inc. Member F-I-N-R-A-S-I-P-C. Osaic. Is separately owned and other entities and or marketing names, products, or services referenced here are independent. Osaic. Associates Inc. I didn't notice any difference. It was seamless. Oh, man, the geeks have inherited the earth. Did I do that? Absolutely seamless. Does it again mean that he's turning into a geek? Or we're turning into cool guys? 
There's an English expression called too clever by half that really, really strikes home with this week's geek. Are they the English? No, no, but but this 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 disgruntled Georgia auto repair shop owner thought he was being really, really clever. So he retaliated against a former employee by paying him with $1,000 in dirty, oily pennies. He was a geek of the week here for doing that. But guess what? What? Now he found out he owes the man even more than that. A federal judge said that uh, that Miles Walker and his company AOK Luxury Auto Works in Peachtree City should pay, must pay, Andreas Flotten and more than a half dozen co-workers nearly forty thousand dollars in back wages and liquidated damages so this guy thought oh yeah he's a great guy blah 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 no 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 no. they dug in he made a smart ass move with the pennies these guys who got cheated kept pushing it got a judge look at this and guess what he owes forty thousand dollars now i think and i'm luke nuwak he's the financial guy david hall's the guy who knows numbers but i think that's 400,000 pennies, or is that 4 million pennies? I just feel like uh, it's a lot of time used by this guy to prove a point. Yeah. Which and, is that he's kind of a dick. Yeah, and yeah, the, the point was already made, and now he's getting the point right in the eye socket. So too clever by half? Yeah, not even close. $40,000. So uh, smart-ass, oily, penny-paying, dirtbag Miles Walker of AOK Luxury Automobiles in Peachtree, Georgia. You are our Geek of the Week. Just come to the late bar. So, and the late kitchen, Cadu Cafe, which sponsors room 769, has the latest open kitchen on the east side. It is open so late. How late is it? It's very late, Mark. I'm glad you asked. It's open till midnight most nights. It closes a little earlier on Sunday. But they have great food, great music, great entertainment, pinball, feather bowling, live music inside, outside. The garage bar is open, my favorite place to drink on the east side. And they uh, have Monday is Muscle Madness. Mm. There's Blues Jam, but you get all the muscles you can eat. Uh, They have karaoke. On Wednesday, and these people can actually sing. This isn't like uh, like bad uh, bad Japanese tourist karaoke <laughs> where it's like William Hung Hoi knows Business the Japanese. Karaoke. This is yeah. these guys. They they got pipes. Uh, this Thursday, movie screening following Slippery People, a Talking Heads tribute. Super Crunch is back on Friday for those who love the Grateful Dead. Saturday, the Stereo Kings. Sunday, East Side still alive with rock and roll prep varsity band and of course like i said monday is the open blues jam so to find out more go to cadjucafe.com and next week we have a special guest we're going to have on the guy who built the amazing new neon fixture outside of the cadju cafe which is that's cool but he's also going to be here with the guy who shot the video 
known only as Camera Jesus. So Camera Jesus has been everywhere and shot everything. He hangs out with uh, A-listers, and he's just kind of a regular dude. So some pretty cool guests coming up next week. But now let's get to Room 769. I think Sean is going to be very pleased. <laughs> he's already nodding. Guess Slowly, what? Slowly, but nodding. In October... The church is coming to the magic bag, but they're here first on Room 7609 with Reptile.
too dangerous to keep, too evil to let go, and you want to bite the hand, should have stopped this long ago. Now, there are some people saying that about Room 7609, but they're wrong! They're wrong, and I think even this week, Sean would agree that that was some new wave gold. Awesome. I don't think it's new wave, but whatever. Had you coiled around my arm, how could you ever know how I loved your diamond eyes? But that was long ago. I don't think I've enjoyed a, a Room 7609 song that much since when? Oh, Michael's, Talking Heads? When I was in Scotland when we played the Talking Heads. Yeah, that wasn't that long ago. <sighs> you were the apple of my eye. But this is what I do for Mike. I've been uh, following a site on Instagram called Post Punk. Okay. 80 and i've uh you know a lot of the bands i know it's almost all new wave and some i don't like primitive mike do you know this this band it's i do know band? primitive okay I, I, I don't know their very much of their catalog but i've heard of them and uh i think if you told me the name of their biggest hit i would know it uh crash what's their second biggest hit? okay <laughs> but anyway so a, a couple things one i i never knew aha was do norwegian they, do they do sick of it i never knew aha was norwegian no they're dutch I oh, thought they were Dutch. It says Norwegian. But oh, in any okay. case, the other thing, and Mark will appreciate this, if you know they because they drop videos all day long every day, if you start listening to each one of them consecutively for even, say, 20 minutes and, you know, check in for 30 seconds, go to the next song, whatever, it does all start to sound the same. Oh. And that and that's probably so that's probably not the best way. Not all of it, of course. But uh, every band sounds like The Cure, right? I mean, that's... That, <laughs> I was going to say the church sound a little bit like The Cure. They kind of do, but yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, that's the, dying over there. That's the see. one danger of approaching music like that. So that was a valuable lesson. Here I was thinking, I'm, I'm going to help myself or be a better podcast. Uh, you know, not do not some a prep, guest, but yeah. uh, do some prep. Learn a bit more about what Mike loves so much. And uh, refresh, because, you know, I used to listen to this stuff too 30 years ago, and... I thought that would be fun, and then it turns out that you can't approach it that way. you got to take a break. You come up with the primitive? Okay, next week on Room 7609, the primitives. Here's what, here's what Tim says. ML, you think of yourself as a new wave master, and you go on vacation to another country. One of the biggest bands to come out of the 80s is in town. The Cure is on tour for the yeah. first time in eight years, and you end up in Scotland or wherever you went. I met my wife on a blind date. Disintegration had just been released, and we listened to it on a date. We ended up engaged at three months, married less than a year of meeting, and Pictures of You was one of the wedding songs. We have been married for 32 years and have never seen the cure. Life happened, three kids, no money when they tour. Can you cue the case? I feel like I'm doing America's yeah. Top 40. This time we saw them in Minneapolis and in Detroit and loved every second. Yes, I'm rubbing it in. They played for three hours and changed the set list every night. So the church is coming to the magic bag. And the last time I requested the church, you played a song from Marty Wilson Piper. <laughs> I enjoyed it, but it pissed Sean off. I think it's time for you to hand over the keys to room 7609 to Sean. What? And let him take over. What church song would you like to hear, Sean? I do like this Smiths, too. You guys have been killing it lately. Keep up the good work. Tim. So um, I, I so want Tim someday to be able to tell Robert Smith that story. Uh, well, Marty to Wilson see how, To Piper, see how much Robert Smith would care. 
Marty Wilson Piper is a guitar player for I think the, the church, and he will not be on tour with them. He, they've had a, a parting of the ways, which is too bad because he is a virtuoso guitar player. By the way, uh, Martin Lee that's Gore's birthday. Story. Martin what? Lee Gore's what? birthday was last week. There you go, Mike. That's another thing well, I well, learned. That was a totally Martin random. Lee, is that a is comment? that a serial killer? Do you mean Martin Gore from the the Depeche Mode? Depeche Mode. So, of course, I knew you'd know that. It was his birthday a few days ago, and uh, and I learned that. See, I am trying. Hey, you brought the primitives no to the cares. table. No one cares about whose uh, birthday it is. No, no, no. Just no. Just for background, show prep. Uh, I'll be a little bit more enthusiastic in this room seven six zero nine space. I think that's cool that Tim and his wife have a band together, right? And that, that's kind of a cool thing. That's bond. very cool. It's too bad it's secure, but that's very, Wait, very cool. Wait, what do you cool. mean it's too bad? He's <laughs> shitting on it. Why is it too bad? I'm just kidding. I'd like to kill No, you're not kidding. I, uh, just Like Heaven, to me, is one of the best handful of pop songs ever written, so to me. I would have loved to have gone to see um, The Cure. sounds a bit no. That's what Robert thinks. But they... Um, they um, unfortunately uh, had uh, a big rush on tickets. Now, they did keep people from gouging folks. You, you I thought mean it was they, fantastic. You mean they charged for them and you didn't want that? No, no. You, you, it was, uh, <laughs> you had to basically uh, be one of the first ones to sign where you had to get a code. A it was really hard That's to there. get it's tickets. all of them now. So, no, but, but they didn't do the escalating pricing, so that was great. When is, when is churches here again, you said? The church will be here on October 11th. I have four Two different bands there. What night is that? What night is that? That is a Wednesday. Oh, so I want to fair with Mark's tailgating. Okay. So, Sean, if you and Ann would like to join me and Teresa at the church, I will. I, I don't know that that would be her, uh, you know, thing necessarily, but I would. That that actually sounds great. Do you have a band that you and your wife do like that bonds you? Not really. We just uh, <laughs> st- style of music, maybe. Okay. You know. All right. So individual songs, probably. No. Yeah, diamond in the back. Sun rooftop, <laughs> digging the scene with a gangster lean. Yeah, we we vibe on stuff like that. Okay. So a little more funky, a little more groovy. Well, there's more soul to that guy than yeah. people know. Oh yeah, no, he's got soul coming out of his hole. Uh, do you have that clip of My Robert ears? Smith with the uh, 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 Robert Smith with the induction of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Yeah, where that, he has that, the interview. You know, <laughs> Suzette Hackney didn't call play? me white chocolate for nothing. All right, let's We've go. moved past well, that, she, she called you like white chocolate because... That was like 15 seconds ago. I know. Because nobody likes white chocolate. I actually love white chocolate. Oh, okay, there you go. Although, can I say that... Uh, can I, there's no black look, vanilla? my kids, I love my kids. They're growing up. They're, they're, they're learning. But can I just say real quickly, <laughs> at what point do your kids not you leave... you say anything quickly? That is a good question. <laughs> not leave strawberries in oh. their room for so long that they, in fact... Look oh, like they they've get been a beard? dipped, dipped yeah. in white chocolate. Yeah, they oh. start to look like uh, ZZ Top. Slobs. Yeah. Not good. Not good. I mean, you know, baby steps, right? Do we have the Robert Smith clip? Can yes. We oh, we're going back to that fantastic. now. Okay. Yeah, that just, this is just this is so great. we moved on. <laughs> and I, I, did see, I did see The Cure at, at the Palace back in the 80s. Oh, well, that's fascinating. Would love to see them again. They are fantastic, and Robert Smith is one of the genuinely... Good dudes, I think, from everything I've heard in entertainment. And here's here's proof positive. From when they went into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah. Congratulations, The Cure, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductees 2019. Are you as excited as I am? Um, by the sounds of it, no. <laughs> <laughs> so great. So great. Oh, so awesome. So awesome. That's bad. Okay, that makes me like oh, The Cure see. even more. <laughs> Look through all the bullshit of what that lady's talking about. <laughs> 
Well, he's been married to the same woman for all these years. I mean, I think he's a pretty genuine dude. It doesn't well, mean, mean that you yeah. can't find love later or anything like that, but you hear so many stories of these guys who get crazy and they go off the rails. And, and I just think that, I think just that he's, now there's a lot of turnover in the band, so maybe maybe that's where he dallies, but uh, just a great guy. And he's played with a lot of people, too. I think he used to play with uh, Susie Sue. Hmm. And uh, the Banshees. And by the way, there's a Susie and the Banshees cover band that opened for the Smiths United last Friday at the Cadu. They're awesome. Yeah, you were telling us about that. Awesome. They're so good. So good. Uh, okay, so um, so thank you very much, Tim. We want to thank the donors to this show who make it possible. Bryant donated, as he so often does, at PayPal. Very easy. Uh, and Rose made a very generation, a ge- generous a generational generous donation via Venmo, which is a new oh, option for you to give to us on our website. Mark, when people go to that website, what do they do and what should they be I'm, cautious I'm, I'm of? I'm still just stunned that the link worked. Um, that's awesome. And thank you, Rose. It's, it's right at Can the Can we thank Rose? He just did. Absolutely. Generational generosity. You think Rose would like Lords in the New Church? She might. Because that's another one I've been studying up on. Thank you. They're okay, Lord. As they're Lords, as their friends call them. <laughs> Um, by the sounds of it, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, so com. Right at the top, there's a little menu bar. I need to make it a little bit bigger and brighter, but uh, there's a PayPal link and there's a um, Venmo link. So I think it's always worked, Mark, and I think the problem is when people go to the Venmo link, it says Daisy House LLC. That's a name we're stuck with because of some weirdness with Venmo, but if you make a donation to the Daisy House LLC via Venmo, we will get the dough and we appreciate it and we will spend it on tickets to go see new wave bands and perhaps um visit curtis mayfield's grave with sean and his wife no we'll go see yazoo and uh love and rockets and we'll be good uh love and rockets was in town last month and unfortunately i missed it because i was in scotland but that was my perfect perfect week i was going to see sisters of mercy on monday and love and rockets on thursday or wednesday but we left for Scotland. But uh, yes, Love and Rockets just reformed. Fantastic. And of course, I know in the course of your travels, Sean, you noticed that Love and Rockets was really the rhythm section and the lead guitar from Bauhaus. Oh, thank you. And when they split up, of course, Peter Murphy, the lead singer of Bauhaus, went on to have a fantastically successful career. The king of God. Okay, so maybe I shouldn't have been uh, brushing up on this, eh, Mark? I guess. As your favorite... <laughs> You're not going to beat him. That's, as that's, one of Sean's favorite... I'm trying to beat him. I was just trying to, you know... As one of my what? As one, one of your favorite musicians would say, Sean, you didn't start the fire. It was always burning. <laughs> oh, how is he one of my favorites? Uh, Why do people hate Billy Joel? Billy Joel's a talented cat. Do people hate him? I think I people think so. are very reverent towards I think, him. I think people... I don't hate Billy Joel. I just... Uh, I like only the good die young. Oh, great song. It's a great pop song. It's a fantastic song. Lots of good good stuff. When you mentioned though. We Didn't Start the Fire, I thought you were going to reference the uh, the remake by Fall Out Boy. Well, that was uh, an 80s. And it, once all those guys... Have you heard the remake? All this, has there ever been a phenomenon like that in music? All those great songwriters in the 70s, the 80s come around, and it all goes to shit. Even though there's a lot of great music in the See, 80s, it was song. not the songwriters from the 70s who wrote such great pop songs. What do you mean? What like happened? Billy Joel and what? 
what, James Taylor? They were there in the 80s, weren't they? I mean, Songwriters or, or, or just even some bands like the Rolling Stones, some of those. Yeah. Well, you got Motley Crue. That was an 80s band. Yeah. I right. thought you said all the songwriters were gone in the 80s. No, no, no. They kept making music in the 80s, but the, the music just radically changed. Well, I and think that's it, not what holds up in their songbooks, right? I, um, well, I think, what do you mean doesn't hold up in the songbook? You mean lyrically or musically? Both. Um, musically, mostly. Well, musically, I think, I think there was a bad rap towards, um, like, I guess what would be hair metal, right? But I think the big change was MTV. I think it became. Yeah, but there was you a, had, there was a, a lot pop, of image to it, and there's not much. There was a image. pop '80s sound, and the synth kind of came in, and so these folks that were using guitar in the '70s were. Yeah, it's just it's funny how that changed. I thought that that, and I'm not a huge fan or much of a fan even, but but um, Bruce Springsteen isn't he considered a rock god? And wasn't his best stuff in the '80s? I don't I don't like his '80s stuff at all. But yeah, I'm not a, a lot of people. Don't, I don't I don't like Bruce, but yeah, I'm, but I'm not a Bruce guy, right? Yeah, but, but everybody when they ever talk about him, they really talk about the '70s. Yeah, earlier oh, stuff. All right, okay. I mean, right. Elton John. I mean, stuff. I mean, we think of uh, Born in the USA, right? Uh, did you like Elton John stuff in the '80s? You know, I mean, after he wrote very, all those, very little of it. But yeah. Exactly. I mean, I mean, it's 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 but amazing how, how see, I don't think that's a that decade just I, had I, its I, own weird. I don't think sound. that's a decade thing. I think for both those guys, I think. A lot of musicians put out their best stuff early. I mean, that's, that's not that normal. And then as they go on, you just no for sure. But I don't. In there. But I but I would argue at least pop and musically, the change from the '60s to the '70s was was cool, right? I mean, people that were making good music in the '60s were made good music in the '70s, but it didn't yeah. go from the '70s to '80s. And I don't know why. I, well, I, I really still think MTV had a lot to do with it because now. Everything is image. I think image it was the conscience. addition of the synth, but yeah. Um, well, mm, but the new wave music possibly. that Mike loves, that originated in the eighties, holds up well. I, you know, late seventies, but yeah, yeah, no, it's great. You're right, they're the best. Uh, little Billy Joel <laughs> trivia. I learned this when I was interning in Allentown. He never really hung out in uh, in Allentown. Oh, no, just fit, right? He hung out in yeah. Bethlehem, which is across the bridge, but it just. Allentown was for the rhyme scheme. Uh, yeah. yeah. Makes we're move. sitting here in Bethlehem. Yeah, yeah it doesn't do it. work. It's Allentown. All the steel mills were in Bethlehem. Bethlehem Steel. Anyway. Okay. I, 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 I do have a good I'm example I'm still stuck on, on, on you, Sean. I think there's a lot of good, movie, here's, good music it, other than New Wave that came Okay, out here's, here's an example to somebody that made great music in the 80s after making great music in the 70s. Michael Jackson. Sure. Yeah. But once and again. Pr and Prince. I liked, yeah. I like the Jackson 5 better than his solo stuff. I I completely agree. It's I completely well, agree. With the whole image thing, think of Madonna, right? But so off, that off the wall it. though, which was an early eighties album, Very is a great album. I like it more than Thriller. I was never a huge fan. You of can't Thriller. listen. Uh, you can still listen to him, even though he did those horrible things. Those twelve year olds. I just pretend it's not him. Exactly. Yeah. What about That's Mick what Jagger does. and the Jackson Five with State of Shock? What? I don't know that song. They didn't even know they did a song together. Yes, you do. Come on. Maybe I have heard it, but I still remember. Did you like the Doobies in the seventies or the eighties better? Although they changed their lead singer, but yeah, yeah. Well, Chicago was better in the seventies. Yeah, no, for sure, because their lead singer changed well, too. Most. Kansas changed their lead singer. I don't think they were as good. I think there's just better. I think a lot of people rag on metal and hair metal from the eighties because of, but know, those are mostly eighties origins bands. But they are really, really good musicians. Deep Purple made a big comeback. In I mean, Ozzy Osbourne was great with Black Sabbath in the 70s, and then he had the solo shit in the 80s that was... Ugh. That wasn't that bad. Mr. Crowley? 
What? It's awesome. I just want to hear Bananarama's Cruel Summer. <laughs> I, I don't know if we played Cruel Summer, but I know we've played Bananarama in Room 716. Can we well, agree that that's one of the great pop songs of the 80s? Cruel Summer? Sure, just to move on. Thank you. It, it is. <laughs> You're the one that said you can't get past it. It is good. And uh, one of the women in Bananarama is married to a major. Um, well, sorry, we're talking about star. women, Mike. It makes Mark nervous. It's like what? Mike Pence. <laughs> Mother. <laughs> Mother needs to approve. I'm sorry. We didn't need to tell your wife is my. I'm the one that brought up Bananarama. What are you talking about? You didn't. Okay. I don't, even, I don't even know. These are just random thoughts popping into your head. I think the exception to Sean's rule is, well, maybe. I was going to say Pink Floyd, consistently great, and only got better as they went along. Okay. Well, no, I mean. Look, the Be- I like the Beatles' older stuff than their earlier stuff. It was certainly more complex. Uh, me too, exactly. Yeah. No, so that's I mean, not a rule that you get exce- worse. They're the exception to the rule, though. They're the fucking Beatles. <sighs> yeah, you too, they didn't really start in the 70s, though, did they? They were kind of early, early 80s. Early 80s. But, yeah. but I would argue that their earlier stuff is still better. Uh, mo- for the most part, yeah. Uh, like anything after Joshua Tree, you don't like? No, there's there's a few, but with all these artists, there's a few songs here or there, I suppose. But then again, full albums are pretty much dead now anyway. They had a nice comeback with Beautiful Day, but anyway, sorry, it's, we yeah. got down this rabbit hole. Let's get a little music bed, if we can't please, for our feedback. Oh, there's Max Pro Cop. No the, more me. Some uh, more outstanding, outstanding music. Um, Rick writes, this is Rick of Rick and Jill Ben on Facebook. I just wanted to drop you a quick clarifying note about my comment. This is a comment he made last week. He says, I made a comment about Sean a while back, and as most things I say, it was more than likely unnoticed, just like conversations with my wife. I I said Sean was definitive proof that the Swedish chef spawned a child with Beldar, the conehead. So we caught the Swedish chef reference, uh, but Beldar, I don't get it. Okay, so he says, I said Sean was bald, definitive bald, proof uh, pointy head. that the Swedish chef spawned a child with Beldar from the coneheads. Although it should not be genetically possible, for some reason, I find this thought quite amusing. Then again, <laughs> I am an odd duck. I'll say. Love the show. I like and it, though. Keep up the great work. Rick. And Dan checks in just before the show. Dan's like this under the wire guy. So I'm reading this and I. Below the line guy. I have not. Oh, hey, nice. Bringing it circle. home. Sean engaged, energized, energy. Who said he's sleeping? No, it's not. Somebody just, did. Don't, don't be fooled by the snow. No, I was just being quiet. So Is that I, what you mean? I have to. We got to get you a, a CPAP for the next week's show. Um, Dan, yeah, who always sneaks in under the wire. So I, this may not be properly vetted, but let's, let's jump in anyways. Hey, ML. If you see this before recording, you know what you're doing, Dan. Don't even play those games. What is the current headcount at the Coleman Young building? It seemed like they teed up catching them in a lie about not enough space. So the just for a frame of reference, I've been trying to get the building authority, the mayor, the city council to give us a press room back on the mayor's floor, on the 11th floor, or on the 13th floor where city councils, because that's where we can really see what's going on. They've all told us there's no room to spare. And the mayor, as I disclosed in Sunday's Free Press, and I'll include a link to that story on our website, said, we filled that space, and so there's nothing for you, Pally. Dan's picking up on it says, I highly doubt there are as many workers there now than there were pre-bankruptcy during the Bing era. Isn't police headcount down like 35%? 
I thought the overall posture from Duggan and everyone there was that they simply don't take reporters seriously. Whitmer has treated the Michigan press like dirt on her stilettos for years, and you all still shamelessly fawn all over her. Same with Duggan. Your own newsrooms tripped over themselves to endorse him and just pumped out an editorial for his newest tax scam that oligarchs want him to ram through. They have you all wrapped around their finger, so why would they bother doing you any favors? The only public officials, the major newsrooms, really seem to go after are a bunch of backwater Republicans. Why? disagree with that latter comment, but certainly Mayor Duggan has been endorsed by the Free Press and the news whenever he's run for mayor, largely because they felt like he was the better of the two candidates, and he has been a very effective mayor. But yes, the mayor and the city council treat the media with disdain. Mm -hmm. Instead of viewing us as partners who can help them get the word out, who can help them explain their positions, who can help people see why they're doing what they're doing, instead of being in a position where they can have candid conversations with the media to explain, this is what's going on, this is why we think it's important, this is why we want people to get behind it, they want us to go away. The free press, to its credit, has decided we are not going to give up our lease on the press room in City Hall. We are the last news organization in town that has an office in City Hall. Unfortunately, we are stuck in the basement for at least another year. I'm hoping my fellow media leaders and members and practitioners who are all kind enough to sign a letter demanding, requesting, however you want to put it, a free media room for all in City Hall will not give up the fight. But yeah... Yeah, they don't take us seriously, and we are trying to do our best to increase our scrutiny of what's going on in City Hall, and um, and there's a lot to look at there. And I will tell you, as someone who's written about a lot of those stories, I don't think I'm cutting anybody a break, but, uh, but if you do, it's probably time to subscribe to the Free Press. It's only $1 <laughs> for the rest of the year. So uh, I thought you were going to say for the rest of your life. Uh, we're not there yet, but it's a pretty uh, slick move there to fit that plug in at the that's end. That's called the jujitsu move. Thanks, Dan. You're not reading my shit. Give me a dollar. That's well done. <laughs> yeah. By the way, thanks for the feedback, Dan. Yeah, yeah. And, and we appreciate all your feedback at mlsoulofdetroit at gmail .com. You can also rate the show. You can leave us a comment on Twitter or Facebook. We appreciate all that. And please, as you can tell, our advertisers are wondering what kind of value we bring to them. If you contact David Hall, if you call Luke Nowacki and Pinnacle Wealth Strategies, if you contact the Bricklayers, or if you go to the Kadju Cafe, please tell them that you heard about them from ML Solar Detroit. Please let them know that you appreciate their support of this show because, frankly, we're not looking for more hobbies. We're not looking for more jobs that don't pay. We make a little bit of this money, a little bit of money from this show. It's enough to make it more than a hobby, but, uh, but we really... We really appreciate that, your donations, your support of our sponsors, all the good stuff. So thank you for being there. And, uh, and before we go, I want, to, uh, I want to say a word in memoriam for Trevor Francis, one of the perhaps more obscure Detroit sportsmen of the 20th century, but one of the most superlative sportsmen in Detroit history. He played in the National North American Soccer League for the Detroit Express, late 70s. At the same time Pele was playing for the New York Cosmos, he scored more goals than Pele did in the NASL. Mm. He was a fantastic soccer player. 
an English international player, uh, the first soccer player in England to be paid a million or had a, had a million pound transfer fee. But when he came to Detroit, if you if you go back and you remember watching the Detroit Express, the Detroit Express without trans- Trevor Francis, yeah, okay. Detroit Express with Trevor Francis, unbelievable. One man, with all those guys on the pitch, one man could pick up and transform a team. I mean, just unbelievable. The Lionel kinda, Messi of his day. I was just going to say, kind of like what's going on in Miami right now. Yeah, great. And there's a story about him in the free press and uh, – and in the news, Tony Paul actually talked to one of the former owners of the Detroit Express about Trevor Francis, and there's some really nice anecdotes mm. in there too. So, so Trevor Francis, I better subscribe so I can read it. Piece. It's a dollar for the rest of the year, man. <laughs> so I've heard. Get both papers. That's two bucks. It's nice to see you, Mike. So, what? It just occurred to me that I, that our new arrangement in here, I don't get to see you for the whole show, and I just leaned over and I caught a glimpse of that uh, of that you know beautiful face. Yeah. <laughs> And there, there is also the PPO that we have to keep in mind. You're supposed to stay at least six feet away. Oh, am I? But, yeah. Okay. So anyway, uh, big thanks to Lowell Caulfield for coming. It really is a good Dude. book and a quick read. And uh, we are going to have some more, um, some more uh, literary pursuits next month uh, when Peter Leonard in, comes in to talk about Dutch, about his writing, and about Justified and how he worked with Timothy Oliphant to make the new season of Justified more Detroit-centric than Ever. So that's going to be a great conversation. So we appreciate you coming back. What, what's going on with the Carlos and Sean podcast, Sean? Oh, we're past that. It's too late for that. Said, you know? What? It's too late, baby. Tease. It's too late. What does that mean? We got the beginning of the Lions season, and we're trying to figure out how to best cover it for our listeners. Oh, well, with entertaining people. With entertaining people. So in other words, people that are not mere Carlos. <laughs> I don't know. I think Carlos is quite compelling. <laughs> do you really? Dynamic. I so knew that was going to be the Do fall. you really? Lightning in a jar, they call him. Is that what you could, is that what you would say, Mark? What? He's quite compelling. <laughs> yeah, he's compelling. Oh, just light the match and watch it burn. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, well, we will figure it out or we won't. I don't know. Who knows? But, uh, yeah, the Lions are uh, starting their training camp. It's amazing. August will be over here and it's... A second, and they'll be in Kansas City in September on the national stage with the NFL all to themselves, and we'll see if they uh, face plan or Isn't not. Isn't it crazy how close we are to football? I know. I know college football will be here the week before that. So Pre-se- But preseason's right around the corner. Yeah, another week. Was it a week? Uh, no, no. Games. I was going to say week and a half, maybe. And Big Ten Media Day is tomorrow, right now, Wednesday, right? right? Yeah. In Indiana, it is. It is. Are you going to that, Sean? No, I used to go, but I've been supplanted by uh, by Reiner Saban. Hey, how hard is it to get a story out of that, out of uh, Big Ten Media Days? Because they're not, so guarded. Yeah, it's it's just all. They don't good. say anything usually, but every once in a while you'll have, um, you know, I don't know, coaches that have subtle shots. I, we, we probably shouldn't go at all, right? I mean, it's kind well, of. Wasn't going to be all about Northwestern. Oh, the coaches God. get up there and talk for a few minutes, and then their breakout sessions, which can be a little bit better. But you know, they handpick the players; they bring down like three players and a coach. It's so probably be the most attention on Northwestern. It's, it's one of those things that we do because we've always done. You don't really think about is this really necessary? How much to get out of it? But you know, people need to fill space and they want stuff to write about. But see, there is a story now. Once again, Northwestern. <laughs> oh yeah, something happened. Somebody was bad, and we move on. Well, as a Spartan, and, and I'm dismissive. And Chris Solari wrote about this. Uh, in no, the, the coach is gone. I, it's I, not I, just about the. It's not just about Pat Fitzgerald and what went on there. And you know that. 
No, it's football it's culture the, it's that you and I saw from when we were kids playing it. Well, <clears throat> right, Mike? Look, we did a lot of dumb I things. I only played touch football, which Got, may have been counted as hazing now. Guys have done, we did dumb things in the locker room, but never did it involve nudity and rubbing <laughs> dicks on people. I think that kind of crap has been around way too long. Well, obviously, but what I find most fascinating about the story is the total and utter mismanagement by Northwestern University and how they handled, you know, they put out this report, or they didn't put out the report, but they ordered this report, seven-month report, um, and drops on, what, a holiday weekend right before July 4th, and like, oh, yeah, two-week suspension for Pat Fitzgerald. And everyone's like, wait, what? What was in that report? Why is it two weeks? And then all hell breaks loose thanks to the... Uh, Student, student newspaper, newspaper there yeah no for sure and now stuff keeps leaking out and now they have a major lawsuit now they're paying another law firm to review the review but you know it's just there's, I, it's just a massive there's something that just fails i just at think every there's level. i just think there's something about i don't i don't even know how to describe this there's something about human nature when it's part of an institution so because you mean because, we, because people we, like Pat Fitzgerald? No, 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 no. It's not the hazing part. That kind of shit, unfortunately, happens and will always happen. I'm talking about the reaction, which always makes it worse. University of Michigan did this. They didn't handle it well. Michigan State was terrible. I'm always more fascinated. With Larry Nasser. I'm over, always more fascinated in the response or the cover-up. It cover happens over and over and over and over. I think there is something institutionally, no matter the intentions. Yeah, they think the institution is more important people than get people together and nothing's going to get out. They panic and they make one wrong decision after another. Instead of just ending it, they prolong it. And it happens all the time. I agree with you. I think Northwestern thought they could get away with it because they're a private university. I don't even know if this, that they think they can get away with it. It's just that they're paralyzed and they panic and they just make the wrong choices. I don't. I don't even think they're thinking it out. It's it's by the seat of well, their pants, and they, and it's just they don't do it well. They're clearly not thinking it out. So then they change it and decide Pat Fitzgerald's gone. Yet all these assistant coaches who probably should have known or didn't know are totally fine. No, for sure. It's I don't know. See, there's your uh, there's your Big Ten media days. Uh, yeah, ML, no. you still you still awake? No, I am. I, I I you know I think about this kind of stuff from a uh, both a, a news consumer and a news professional perspective, and I understand the the uh, urgency for Northwestern to say we're addressing this, we're addressing this. You know, people want an answer. People want to know what's going. on. You got to say something. You got to say something. You can't leave a vacuum, and so they say something. And as reporters, we're the ones saying, you know, what do you got to say about this? We're, we're banging your door down every day. But this really does feel like one of those cases where you should know what you're apologizing for. And if you have to say, we're going to yeah. look into this. And if we get back to you in a month, we will get back to you. But we need to figure out what's going on. And I, I can't discount the fact that this dropped just before Fourth of July weekend. That's sort of like dropping news at 5.59 on a Friday afternoon when the... Get the bell ready. When Kwame Kilpatrick disclosed that some of his high school buddies had raided the, uh, the uh, mayor's petty cash account, I think they, they released that at 5 o'clock on Christmas Eve, maybe. I mean, <laughs> you, you kind of put this out when everybody's already uh, skeleton I, I, crew. I, I, it's I last minute, this, you know. People but. act like there's, you know, the news cycle is so continuous now that that aspect doesn't exist. I so disagree because people's habits of consuming it are still different. Well, I mean, it's, if it's a big story, it's going to be a big story whenever. And, and the pressure, I just think best case scenario, 
that president thought it wasn't that bad, didn't really look into it, and thought he had addressed it, you know, decisively and and speedily, but well, the, you, the you really only victims didn't feel that way, and that's why they went to the student newspaper. Well, of course, and uh, one of, one of the greatest guys I know, Chris Crotchy, terrific guy. Uh, I think he's a fire chief out in in Romeo or Armada now. Terrific uh, with his hands, like very skilled guy, and and he taught me something, and I think. A lot of people already knew, but but I it was we were doing a little project, and I I use it in my reporting all the time. Measure twice, cut once. Hmm. You know, if you're going to do something, make sure what you're going to do is the right thing to do. And I think in this case, the president Northwestern just kind of hacked away. He didn't measure even once, no. and when he went back, he had to say, okay. Uh, we better do this right. Well, and, and, and my but, guess is they still don't know what the hell they got there. But here's what's amazing. So what changed from a two-week suspension to make it a firing, right? He had the report the whole time. What changed? Uh, the public found out about it. Well, that, that may be the other thing. Maybe. So he went from too light of a punishment to what I kind of feel is too harsh of a punishment and blowing him out. But still, it's, once again, it's how they manage the story and the information that just blows my mind. That Tricky business. Well, I, so not that hard though. You got to be as open as you can be. Yeah, you you told me more than I knew a minute ago, which makes me believe more and more that the dropping at July Fourth weekend was oh, sort of the 100%. yeah we we discipline them. Everybody enjoy your holidays. Don't don't blow your face off. Yep, pretty much. And, and if they that's thought, the case, they thought it would just skate. Well, then the next guy to go should be the president. Well, yeah. He, so anyway, he that's, just got there. That's what's even that's more what's going on in the Carlson Sean podcast. Oh man, oh, okay. that's a great show. I. Pfft. I love it. No, we're just going to record. You, this oh. is already recorded, so we'll just use this. Fine with me. Yeah. Oh. Well, we'll carry it on over. Well, then do me a favor. Find out who Michigan State's quarterback is and whether these guys who got suspended for that uh, tunnel justice are going to be playing on the first uh, week of the well, season. Well, I think the they probably oh, need. Sounds a bit no. <laughs> <laughs> they need the training camp to play out, you know, for the quarterback. Okay. So we'll see. Okay, well, that's the Carlson Sean podcast, available with a lot of other quality audio at freep.com. No subscription required, as far as I know. I will be on the Pistons Pulse this week to oh, talk oh, about. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I've been asked to join them with Amari and Bryce. And, uh, yeah, so that'll be fun. Well, take take notes while you're there. I think those guys know what they're doing. They're very good. Podcast they're game. very good. So They're very good. All right, well, we've teased a lot of future shows. You know we're going to have Camera Jesus coming up. We're going to have Peter Leonard coming up. We're going to be talking Justified. Lots of great stuff coming up in August. Please like the show, share the show, rate the show, and most of all, just keep on coming back because we really like your company. Oh, you want to mention that, Sean, before we go? I was just showing him some breaking news that I saw. Oh, breaking news? It better be good breaking news because oh, people may I, listen you know to this five days from now. I don't now. want to talk about it because it'll make you too happy. And That's, I've done very little to verify it. Wait, wait, wait. So I'm going to be happy, but it may not be true. So that's... Give me a second here. Okay. Can we play the music, Bed? We don't no, want to... No, no, this is very riveting. Well, while Mark's looking at that, I will just tell you one little thing that happened to me on Sunday. Uh, I went to church at St. Matthew, which is a great church in East English Village, and... Um, the uh, the family of one of the Michigan State students who was killed, the Fraser family, were there for mass, and they were. It was very low key. It was a very simple service. It was just. It wasn't a memorial service or anything. It was just you know we want to honor them while they're here with us, 
And they were a very quiet, a very humble family, and people were talking to them. And I didn't because I didn't know what to say. What do you say to somebody who's lost a child in circumstances like that? But uh, Teresa did go up to him and gave him a hug, and we did see them talking to people and smiling. And it was kind of, it was kind of nice to know that they can smile after everything they've been through. Not that it makes it go away. Not that it the hurt is gone. But it was. Uh, it kind of reminds you that um, that uh, we all got to live in spite of everything that's happened. And it was. I don't know. I meant to mention that earlier. It was just I don't even know what to think about it or what to say about it, but it was uh, just so sad. Yeah. Oh. Now your shit better be now, good. Now I got to follow that up. So remember how angry you were that you, you think Jim Harbaugh gets away with everything? Oh, know? my God! Absolutely! Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Never, never gets penalized? Well. So for allegedly uh, misleading the NCAA in the recruiting violations... It looks like he will be suspended for the first four games of this season. What? Yeah, so they'll be without Harbaugh for the first four games. And, I mean, those those are really tough games. East Carolina, UNLV, Bowling Green, and Rutgers. That's, that's gonna, sounds like an Ohio State-type suspension. Um, it, but it also uh, looks like they will be without Sharon Moore for a game or two. And uh, the tight ends coach, Grant Newsom, as well. So that, those are pretty stiff penalties, believe it or not, I think. I, think I, now, I don't know if it's the whole week. I don't know if it's just the game. Um, it comes from, yeah, sports, uh, at Yahoo, Yahoo Sports, Ross Dellinger. Oh, damn. First uh, reporting this. So there you go. See? Wow. It's... Oh, you guys want want people's heads right away. Sometimes it takes some time. No, no. What, what's, uh, what, would, uh, what would have happened to an SEC coach in a similar situation, I wonder? One game. Yeah, and a race. And a race. <laughs> I was <laughs> just going to say that, yeah. yeah so it's... Yeah. Uh, Okay. Huh. Yeah. I mean, for if, if he's just suspended for the games and not the practices. I mean, Probably. Yeah. For those games, whatever. Yeah. I guess maybe the penalty fits the game. <laughs> Don't you dare mislead the NCAA. Well, to me, if you if the punishment's going to fit Stupid. the crime and you have recruiting violations, you take away scholarships. Let them coach every game without any scholarship players. That's that's a real. But it wasn't recruiting violations. It was lying about. Um, well, no, the there were there were level two violations and um, like letting, uh, watching a workout of a recruit on a Zoom or uh, texting them after hours. That's having, what it was. It was Zoom, wasn't it? Yeah, was Zoom. It contacting the, them on the, Zoom. Texting them after. On. Texting them after yeah, during the break. dead period, whatever. So they were minor little things. Which he wouldn't have been suspended for at all. The reason he's getting suspended is because he they say he lied about some of those little infractions. Yeah. Well, good. Punish liars, but at the same time, how long did they investigate Bill Self? Like years and nothing oh, happened? <laughs> and Harbaugh does this rinky-dinky-do stuff, and they conclude their investigation in a number of months and drop a harsher penalty on him than they ever dropped on Bill Self down at Kansas. Uh, you know, I want equal justice under the law. That's all I want. Whatever. But because uh, okay. yeah, that's a thing that exists in any realm. Well, you know what? Of, 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 even in the even in the judicial system. Uh, when it comes to academia, I'm going to reserve the right to to hope for a better tomorrow. You, you know who dispenses equal justice? MLL Rick does. Cyrus. <laughs> a nice segue. I don't know about that. Well, he does just take everybody out. Can you, dig Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? And he's writing fluently, easily, with 
strokes of the pen as he comes up to the middle of this first sentence. And with this 11th novel well underway and the prospects of a good day's writing ahead, back to the studio.